Everybody, thanks for joining the Armed and Ready podcast today. My name is Jason Wood, the VA loan guy, and we have a special guest with us today, Tony Cohen, who has some military background and is working and has worked with the military and law enforcement as a civilian, and um, just some really interesting stuff going on. I thought that everyone would enjoy to hear a little bit about his story and stuff. So, Tony, uh, thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us today on this uh, nice, warm San Diego afternoon. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the invite, Jason. I, I'm beginning to turn into the podcast for every day. Someone's got me on a different podcast talking <laughs> about something. Well, um, you know we're we're in the middle of this uh, COVID nineteen uh, epidemic right now, so it's got um, probably a little more attention in the podcast world. Just people trying to find stuff to do, right? Um, so probably getting sought out quite a bit. Um, which is, which is always a good thing. Um, but um, what I wanted to ask you about a little bit was, you know, what, what you're up to nowadays and how you got into it. I know you, you do some training, you've done some stuff with some, you know, special operators in the military and law enforcement, um, some PTSD stuff, which I think is really cool. Um, so tell us a little bit about what you're doing and how you got into it. So without going into full details, um, I'm what's known as a certified uh, master Krav Maga instructor of military Krav Maga. And I'm also certified to instruct that to civilians. And for those people watching this that don't know what Krav Maga is, um, Google military Krav Maga. So I by default have been around that space my entire life. Uh, my dad was involved. My dad was one of the people who was with the, um, what they call the British Jewish Brigade in the British military in 1947 in um, what was then the British Mandate of Palestine. And actually to this day, my, my it's not a school, but my instruction is 1947, then 14th of May, 1948, it became the State of Israel. And my dad swapped sides just overnight, like a bunch of guys. And, um, you know, there's a, lot, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of conjecture. I found out a bunch of stuff at his funeral. Um, never really spoke about it. However, I, um, my mum died when I was seven. I've got no siblings. So literally, it was me and my, my dad, who was just this quiet, very laid back guy, creature of habit. He wouldn't think anything. I wasn't a big guy or anything. And, uh, but you just knew there was something always bubbling under the surface. And I came like around that space, got bullied a lot as a kid. He made me go boxing, learned a bunch of other stuff. And one thing led to another. And then <clears throat> I got to skip a whole bunch, which we already discussed because certain things have fallen to classified. And I've been around that space for a long time. Um, human performance. Um, and by default, you know, I, I got back into uh, when I was old enough to uh, instruct civilians. There's, again, legal implications, grab my ear. I was doing that, and I got uh, brought in by NYPD ESU, which is the SWAT teams, uh, and a lot, a lot of different situations around the planet. So I've, I've always been around that circle peripherally or right in the middle of it, like in the eye of the storm, uh, in a very specific niche space. And... A couple of things that, uh, you know, militaries are very different all over the world. So I'm a, I'm a lover of history. I'm a lover of geography. I've seen different things, paramilitaries, things like that. And what's going on right now is, you know, I see the VA thing. There's huge, huge issues. And um, something became apparent to me only three, four, five months ago was a challenge, um, and it doesn't matter who you are, a challenge with things like PTSD or depression or, or neurodegenerative diseases is most people have them that have been hit on the head a few times. And it doesn't have to be hard. And, you know, there are certain triggers that will fuel them and certain things that will help them. Um, and I found out, you know, one of, the, one of the challenges, and I don't know who your audience is, but is self-acceptance. Um, I probably had way over a hundred concussions in my life, not really thinking about it. Uh, I, I thought that was normal. Then when I 
talked to stunt guys and professional BMX jumpers. They went over a hundred. <laughs> Even we've not had that one. Oh, I thought I was normal. Um, and you know, learning more by default. And I'm not a scientist. Like I didn't even. I'm working these days on social media. Everyone's putting their, their high school graduation pictures on. I don't have one. I didn't graduate. Um, didn't even finish. And it's kind of by default, I've ended up working in, in the real outliers of neuroscience, really testing boundaries. And then looking back at it, uh, 10 years ago, I broke my back, um, refused to stay in hospital. Next morning, they, they shot me up full of cortisol, gave me a lot of opiates, like, sent me home and I pulled the drapes and spent a month living on probably more than a month living on delivery pizza and watching DVD boxes. And my doctor was saying, you likely have depression. I'm thinking that's bullshit. It doesn't even exist. It's nonsense. And looking back at it now, there's no doubt at all. Then five years ago, just oh yeah, five years ago, living in New York city, tiny room, middle of winter, going out in the morning just to grab a, bagel coming back lying on the bed to try and do some work and falling asleep and lethargy and all the rest of it and again didn't realize it at the time but would be not just labeled as depression but scientifically depressed and didn't realize it then round about well actually would be just over five years ago I got sent two bags like this with no markings on with white powder in them through FedEx. And it's kind of a funny story. I've told it lots of times. So I'm in Spanish Harlem, which is the white powder capital of North America. FedEx guy comes. I think it's an early birthday present. I ripped the box open, pulled the bags out in front of him. And I'm like, it's not what you think. Yeah. What is it? F.A.? And I went, uh, I don't really know. And I didn't know. And he said, where's it from? I went, oh, it's from San Diego. And oh, by Tijuana, how convenient. I'm like, <laughs> so I said, oh, there's a note, there's a note, there's a note. So I pull out this note like a dick. I read the note out loud without reading it to myself first. And he just said, dude, there's two days supply here. There's two strips, pee on a strip, take a picture, take one day supply, pee on a strip an hour later, take a picture, send me the pictures. And I read that out loud and I look at the guy and that's not helping, is it? So as far as I know to this day, I'm still blacklisted by FedEx. <laughs> what, what that was, was from the SEAL team base. So for years, the Navy SEAL divers have been having issues with um, seizures. And the cause of it is the rebreather, the valve on it is, it's only really safe down at 50 for 15 minutes. But if you're not, you've got no control over how long you're down there and how deep. So they were basically overextending what they should have been doing. Uh, nitrogen, toxicity, um, all kinds of stuff. And again, all these seizures. And we've known since the 1930s that ketogenic diets will reverse seizures. That's what they were developed for. However, if you're an operator, you can't do a diet in any way, shape, or form. Right. The, ketogen the ketogenic diets is like a three-month process to get your body into that state. You just can't do it. And, you know, if you're coming back off an operation, the last thing you're going to do is go on a diet. You're going to eat donuts and cake and freaking barbecues and beer. Um, so around about that time, uh, there's a guy, a uh, doctor I know, research science doctor called Dr. Dominic D'Agostino out of University of South Florida, was doing some research onto what's now known as exogenous ketones. And it was a way of tricking your body into that state so it could help with the seizure situation. And people dismissed it as bullshit. It's not possible. DARPA put, I don't know what the exact figure was, millions into the research, because research for this sort of stuff is not cheap. And Dom carried on doing what he was doing. Then uh, it was sent to the, the team guys and I believe some uh, NASA astronauts for extreme testing. And they found it worked. It was a cheat system. So what would take your body one, two, three months with food, you can do in under an hour. 
and it was dis it was all called out as bullshit five years ago and i was sent these things without any explanation it was ungoogleable like the research wasn't public no one you couldn't find anything and i didn't realize that i had like this massive brain fog until it lifted and literally it was like 20 minutes it's gone i'm like holy shit we're onto something here and i called my buddy who's a former marine not a regular marine but a former, without going into details, an interesting marine, we'll call him. And um, I'm like, dude, is this shit legal? And he went, yep, what is it? Uh, it's ketones. I went, okay, what's that? He went, well, it's ketones. I said, well, what's the ingredients? He went, ketones are in it. So what does it do? He went, I don't know. Ketones you up or something. It's out the base. It's out the team base. So I think you're onto something here. I don't know what it is. But if you tell me this is legal, it like literally lit me up. Then I um, like I was literally a human guinea pig for this stuff. There was no website. There was no nothing. Like you couldn't even if you googled it, it would show up blank. It didn't exist. Wow. Google it now. It's all over the place. Exogenous ketones and there'll be a list of diseases and research studies that we've done over the last five years showing how effective this stuff is. And I'm in this space. Um, you know, I'm fat, dumb, depressed, broke. All of them are always interlinked with everything uh, in New York City. And all of a sudden, I'm going like, this This is something I didn't realize. So carrying, carrying on with this, um, dropped a bunch, dropped like 15 pounds in two weeks. And I'm going, oh, this must be some weight loss. Thing. Next two weeks, put on 10 pounds, but lost three inches off my waist. I'm glad and there's maybe 20 of us in this thing. And there's some like bodybuilder guys. There's some women who are fitness models. There's some guys like me, fat dudes, different ages. And we're all getting completely different results. And none of us knew anything. And, you know, looking back at it now, what we do know about this is ketones are brain fuel, essentially your brain will always require go to if you've got glucose and ketones in your body and those really are the only two fuels glucose from carbs or sugars ketones from fats um the brain will always prefer ketones because the brain is made of fat and it's about a 200 percent higher yield of energy so ketones come from starvation mode if you go back to hunter gatherer times where there's no food your body's tapping into its own body fat Right. And that's when we're the most alert. That's also when we've got the most energy. Because if you're hunting down a gazelle or you know, a wild animal, like you're dialed in like a runner's high, you're switched right on. And that's you know, that's just science. And what we've done is find a way to biohack to cheat the science. And I'm looking at it now. When I got in this space, I was probably depressed. Then um, a couple of years after that, I was still getting these mood swings. You know, there's certain triggers that, you know, I'm taking it. There's some military guys that watch this that may have similar things, like certain triggers that send you to a dark place or send you into just isolation. And I was still getting them, but less and less, less and less frequent. And then... You know, I'm speaking with a guy, I'm, I'm not going to name him, good friend of mine, he's a relationship counselor, psycho, something or other, up in Beverly Hills. And he, he said, like, you know, one day he said, like, how are things doing? I went, well, you know what, they're better. Like, I, it's, it's less and less frequency and less and less duration. They're definitely better. And this was about three, three years ago. And he just looked at me, real serious face, and went, do you have PTSD? And I just went, there is no PTSD in Israel. Then he leans really close. Goes, You're not in Israel anymore. <laughs> and then it dawned on me that, like, I guess the acceptance of just, you know, as a guy, you see it's almost a chink in the armor to accept depression or PTSD or whatever. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I just wouldn't accept it. And then in that moment, I went, you know what, maybe I do. And then over the last two years, there's more and more science coming through on the neuroscience space con relating concussions to all this stuff. Like I grew up playing soccer in Europe, used to use a 
a leather ball. And where I grew up, it was always raining. It was like Seattle on quaaludes. And like the ball would weigh 50 pounds and I would weigh 50 pounds. And the coach is like, head the ball. And every time I head the ball at five, six years old, it hurt like hell. Two months ago, it got banned in the UK. The home of soccer banned heading a ball, unless you're 13 or over in a competition, because they know how much developmental stunting it's, it's been doing. And I'm thinking, well, I went through that. Then my dad took me boxing at like 11. Like, we never wore headgear. Like, you know, I'm taking shots to the head. And then I look now, like my son's over there. My son's a professional bare knuckle fighter. Wow. Yeah. And I'm looking at that and I'm speaking to a friend of mine, Dr. Ryan Lowry, who's a leading researcher in this neuroscience ketogenic technology space. Because when I, I looked at this and I'm like, oh, it, it's been a, like a normal boxer for a while. And um, I got really nervous, which is normal. And I spoke with Ryan and I said, like, I don't know, Ryan. I said, the coach, the people that have the association over there, they said bare knuckle is safer than traditional boxing. I'm not seeing it. He went, you know, there's less head and head trauma in rugby than there is in NFL. I went, ah. Oh got it so when i the only time i ever wore the padding and boxing i got my head punched all over because you take stupid risks there's a video somewhere of my son pulling his headgear off halfway through a round because he was getting tagged too much and it's the same thing whereby you don't stick your head in the way you wouldn't go onto an nfl game and without a helmet and play and do the same stuff right so I'm thinking, right, I'm heading the ball all this time, probably getting concussions from that. It doesn't take much at all to do concussions. I've got some Krav Maga videos out there where I'm doing it's a demonstration about concussion with a, you know, a delivered uppercut that just literally would snap your neck. But when that happens, your brain's gone like boom, boom, inside the head. You're done. You've got concussion. The, um, what's the fight there? I don't really watch a lot of this stuff, but uh, the heavyweight one, the big, King Gypsy from the UK, who actually trains in the same camp as, as my son, um, for the heavyweight title. And the, the guy who was fighting was like, had concussion for three rounds. He could see it. And so I'm looking at that. Then I'm looking at boxing. I'm looking at like a lifetime of Krav Maga. And Krav Maga, like, I don't do civilian. I do like military. There's no protection. Like my, my buddy, who's a civilian instructor, a senior one, he said, you're the only guy I know on the planet with Kevlar nuts. Went, what do you mean? He said, Again, you train without protection. So how many times do you caught one in the nuts? Oh, loads, you know? Um, <laughs> and, you know, you apply that to your head and you think, oh, I've definitely had over 100 concussions. And this came up in a, in a, like a wellness clinic. The doctor said, like, hey, I've got a client. She could probably use your stuff. She's had a lot of concussions. And the science is now coming through. And I said, how many she had? Nine. She had more than nine last year. What are you talking about? I'm way into three figures with concussions. And she looked at me like I was a freaking alien. It's like, what? And I thought, I'm thinking this stuff is normal. So full circle, at the same time, there's a, a friend of mine called Josh Perry. And Josh is a former BMX professional stunt guy, the ones that do the backflips and all that. Oh, so yeah. I, don't know how many, I don't know how many times he's banged his head, but Josh had four cancerous brain tumors uh, in his 20s. They're all malignant now and all around the same space. And I was telling Josh about this and he said, like, we don't have that many concussions. So I'm, I'm doing all this and I'm finding out the neuroscience and Josh was working with Dr. Ryan Lowry and doing some stuff on the spec scans, literally reversing PTSD in 30 minutes, honestly, like completely changing brain mapping in 30 minutes. And you know, one of the, the challenges is, in fact, this T-shirt, I, I did a whole bunch of T-shirts. And what I was doing was going out on certain times and feeding the, the homeless vets around here. The challenge is, like the VA magazines, everything in it fuels PTSD. Like, go to McDonald's, get this, and get a big free slurpy gulp thing. Like, right. that's all stuff that dumbs the brain down and stops it firing. So, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hugely passionate about that. And, you know, I was, I was at an event a few weeks ago and then someone said, like, what's your why? And I'm just like, I've never been able to come up with something. And it occurred to me, I've spent 50 years getting my head stoved in 
and then the last five reversing it. I'm like the inadvertent human guinea pig for this space. So it's it's very cool science, and I get to hang with like really interesting outlier people. And uh, Goggin shows up at a lot of our events to speak because he's passionate about what we're doing. Um, you know, I told you the story earlier about having to get him out of a building. I'm the baddest man on the planet. Really? You're asking me to get you out of a building of 2,000 people? Maybe you're the second, you know? Uh, <laughs> right. He's, uh, and it's kind of funny uh, with Goggins because like we're walking out. He's got his girlfriend. I'm just getting him out of this building, like out of sight. And um, I said, you know, you're not the biggest, noisiest black man I've ever had to look after. Who's the other one? I went, Ali. He went, what? Went, yep, years ago. I had to look after Ali. I said, so you're, you're walking the park, dude. And Goggins is a lovely guy. I mean, the rant thing and all that, that's how he is. But you get one-on-one, he's, he's just a regular guy you can talk with. So I, I get to work with a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, special, oper- special operations guys. Um, they're doing a lot of stuff, a lot of, like, heavy-duty testing and what we do, what we do. And, you know it's uh it's just a real interesting space what i would say though is you know i I don't really know who's watching this or who it's for but i would say this um you know it's it's not your situation in life if it's not what you want it to be it's definitely not over it's just part of it and we look at that right now with this this you know global situation where you know, there's a massive shift going on. A lot of people are waking up to what's really important. I'm, I'm personally, my space, feeling a lot, seeing a lot more empathy, a lot more compassion, a lot more gratitude, uh, a lot more community going on right now. And I, I, my personal belief is we're in a great space of transition. But this also applies to anything. You know, if you're on this, watching this as just coming out of the military and trying to adjust back to human life, or you're missing that camaraderie, which is a huge one, or um, yeah, anything like that. Um, community is everything. Collaboration is currency. And you know, if you're a Navy guy and there's an Air Force guy, like find what you've got in common, like that right. type of stuff. And there's so much um, out there that can be done. It all starts with the brain fuel. And, you know, I'm not a diet guy. I, you know, I, I like to live life. However, when you, when you fuel in your brain correctly, A, it will suppress the appetite uh, naturally. And B, um, you just make smarter choices. You know, and it's, that's a full circle for this. And I, I feel and again, I don't know your 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 audience or who this is um, aimed at, but the progress over the last two years, last year, has been immense. The research coming through, and the challenge with scientific research is, you know, you've got to play around with it with worms, then with mice, then with rats before you can even get it anywhere near humans. Just the way the process is, and then you might have to do an experiment, a research on hundreds of people for. A couple of years so this stuff literally only showed up on the grid five years ago and then it was only to a handful of people so i don't know there's a saying that goes follow those that eat their own cookies like right. I, I literally live and breathe this stuff and um it's like it's almost like a layered step-by-step portal where I was sent something, I didn't realize I was, you know, depressed. I, like, I knew I was fat, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> pizza, bagels, well, pizza and bagels every day will do that for you. Um, and it's kind of a portal. This opened the door for me, like woke me up a little bit, got rid of some of the, the food cravings. And as a result of that, it, it's not like, Oh, ping, the light switch went on. I mean, it did to a degree, but it's over the years, it's been like, hey, this leads to this. This is leading to this. This research science is leading to this. 
that who knows where it's going. And with neurodegenerative disease, and whether that's depression, bipolar, PTSD, or uh, things like Alzheimer's, dementia, Parkinson's, they're all interrelated. What I would say right now, and this is not really a VA topic, but it kind of is, we're right, we're right in uh, an Alzheimer's epidemic. It's been predicted it was going to be the leading cause of death by, I think it's 2035, might be slightly out in the years. However, what I learned at a research science conference, and according to my marine buddy, I'm the guy that's been to the most research science conferences in this space in the world in the last five years. And I'm looking at him going, really? I mean, name one you haven't been to. Oh, yeah, I go to them all. I, you know, and I'm, I'm like, I don't nerd out on it, but I, if I can get one little nugget. And something I heard, and I think it was from Dr. Lillian Marika at Harvard, Harvard Medical School, was that, or maybe Dr. Mary Newport, so you could YouTube her. She's all about this. Um, Alzheimer's takes 25 to 30 years to manifest in the body before it even shows up in the brain by which time the damage is done. Um, you can slow it down, definitely. And it was something like, I might be years slightly wrong, 2017 to 2018, something like a 400% increase in Alzheimer's-related deaths. Wow. It's, I got that from Dr. Jacob Wilson out of ASPI in Florida. Might, again, it might be slightly out in the years or the percentage, but it's about that. Um, and I think some of it may be uh, that it's been accepted as a cause of death more. So there may be a different way of measuring it, uh, but it's definitely on a massive swing right now. So that type of stuff, um, it, it's, you know, we, we literally see it every day. I mean, where I'm at here in Pacific Beach, you see pulse vets and you know, you, you just know they're, they're going through it. And their choices are limited as to what they eat. So if you're, you know, if you've got a fire, it literally is like if you've got a little bit of something going on in there, trauma, and you have a, like a big frigging thing of coke, that's like putting gas on the fire. It's not dampening the fire, it's inflaming the fire. Right. So it's the way, and, and this also applies on um, fiscal demographics where you look at the most junk food places are as always in the lower income communities. Um, is that on purpose? Well, I don't know, and I can't, I can't say. Um, however, you know, that's also where the uh, greatest risk of disease and, and all kinds of stuff is. So uh, in the VA magazines, all I've seen is junk food adverts. I've not seen anything about any of this type of stuff. And uh, I know Dr. Dom D'Agostino, he sits on one of the VA committees, so it's not a case of, they don't know. I think it's more of a case of let's make sure. Uh, but I know there's a whole bunch of studies going on right now with, with this space. That's uh, it's good. We're making massive progress. Yeah, so I totally, it, I totally believe in, you know, that food can, can really cure disease. And I think there's been, and I, the names are escaping me, but there's a couple of doctors that uh, I think one was kind of run out of the States because he was, um, treating cancer patients with basically juicing you know juicing vegetables and fruits and and things of that nature and and um you know making really big strides whereas kind of western medicine is so much just prescribe a pill you know yeah um, and he was he was doing it with food and there's you know there's a big craze right now for celery juice and, and the, the keto diets and and things of that nature so uh, there's there's clearly a link to all of that with with diet there's a link i i had a chain of juice bars in the 90s that's exactly why i want juice um it's massively inflammatory and it's all glucose so i he may be the guy that's now down in um mexico with a clinic but i do know there's a guy that did that there's a cancer treatment uh place for dogs in austin texas that put all the dogs on a ketogenic diet i do know research scientists that feed that give this drink to their dogs um yeah it's this i mean if you go back to ancient greece and hippocrates let food be thy medicine uh, everyone's different there's no one size fits all right um 
but there's actually Dr. Dominic D'Agostino has done, and this was the only bit of information I could get over five years ago as a TED talk. If you're watching this, Google Dr. Dominic D'Agostino TED talk, and it, it is specifically talking about this in cancer. Cancer won't grow without glucose. If you starve it of glucose, it should stunt the growth of the cancer. There's one or two cancers that are slightly different. And also on this count, there is, you know, we are designed as hunter-gatherers to eat seasonally. We store fat in cold seasons and run off that. However, we no longer eat seasonally because everything's available all the time, right. apart from toilet paper. <laughs> but don't, don't, eat, don't eat the toilet paper. Um, and there's, there's a lot of science coming through. And Dr. Dom and Dr. Angela Poff out of University of South Florida are doing a huge amount of research specifically on, on the benefits of uh, ketones and cancer. But if you literally put in exogenous ketones and it'll just give you a list of diseases. I know people that are, you know, that are doing the research. I've got to be careful as I say things to research on reversing type two diabetes and type two diabetes is a food related disease. Yeah. It shouldn't even, it shouldn't even freaking exist. Um, the challenge with type two is if you don't pay any attention to it. It runs into type three. And a lot of people are not aware that type three is actually Alzheimer's. So there's parallels there. Something as well I got from, um, I think it was Dr. Lillian, about what's something I'd never heard of until last year, brain insulin resistance. So brain insulin resistance about the blood-brain barrier, you can't bypass it with that ketogenic diet or with fasting, but you can by drinking ketones. And where we're at right now, I heard a great podcast the other day by Art Devaney, who is the guy known as the grandfather of the paleo movement. This guy's like 80 years old and he's ripped. And he was talking about like constant eating, snacking, lots of meals. You're constantly spiking and crashing insulin. And when that happens, we become insulin resistant, type two diabetic. Mm -hmm. And if you look at this current global situation, who's most at risk? Well, people with pre-existing conditions, yeah, the most at risk outside of the elderly are type 2 diabetics and the overweight, the chronically overweight, because their insulin resistance is, is massively like, so it, it, you, your immunity is very depleted with that. So it's a full circle of um, this stuff. And, you know, it, it's interesting because of this situation we're in, it's making us step up our own game on, re, on the research science of it. And um, we're doing some stuff around it. I can't talk about it because it's not published right now. Uh, but we've applied specifically with the virus to be doing some research. Um, very, you know, the wrong term, but the right term. Very exciting times. Um, because I think this is just kicking. It's leveling everyone up internally and leveling up externally. As, hey, what can we do? Viruses are viruses. There's always going to be viruses. You know, we, I'm not going to go into the political side of it or the theory or whatever. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, and, the, you know, I work with one of the guys who was a former head of NASA. who's some work with Dr. Ken Ford. And he sits on, again, some government advisory bodies and this and that. And the day Italy went on lockdown, which I want to say is about six weeks ago, um, Ken said statistically in the US, statistically, and this is a guy that's like buried deep in departments, but gets sent, he's kind of a funny guy because they're always sending him papers and he said, oh, I don't read fiction. Like he's, he's a very contrarian thinker. He doesn't work for the government. Uh, he's, he's got a not-for-profit called IHMC in Pensacola, Florida that do some very cool like research stuff. And he said, six weeks ago, statistically, you've got more chance of being hit and killed by an Uber driver than dying of this that was only six weeks ago. However, he also said it's unable to assess. We can't assess it. Um, can we assess it now? I'd still say the, the, what I'm hearing is no. Um, so it's it's been an interesting it's been an interesting 2020 so far. It started out quiet. Yeah. Escal escalated fast. Yeah. Yeah. That escalated quickly, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, you had mentioned um, like biohacking as like a term and um, it made me think of, you know, 
in the uh, kind of like the, the fitness world and the dieting world, um, intermittent fasting, which is so, yeah. the body into a state of ketosis, right? Well, I'll just, I'll nip that one in the bud. So almost five years ago, I got that going by eating once a day. You don't get into ketosis by intermittent fasting. You've got to fast for like two or three days minimum to get into ketosis. So it's a common misconception. However, if you are drinking ketones or a ketogenic diet, intermittent fasting is hugely beneficial because it will raise, it will slowly raise your uh, ketone levels. So ketosis is not a diet. Ketosis is actually a blood measurement. And it's measured in millimolars of ketones in, in blood. So intermittent fasting is exceptionally good for fixing the gut health because you're resting the gut. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of it. Um, if you are intermittent fasting and eating carb heavy, you're not going to get into ketosis. If you're intermittent fasting and eating low carb, you, pro you probably are eventually. Uh, and it's definitely a faster track. So there's three ways of getting into ketosis. There's the hardcore diet, which can take a month, two months, three months, months. 99% of people will never get there. And that's from me measuring people's blood. Um, there's fasting, which is harder. But the challenge with fasting that people don't realize is proper fasting. If there's water involved or something like that. Um, it's still going to take you three, four days to get there. However, it's muscle depleting, which means you're going to burn through your muscle first before you get into your fat. Uh, by process of something called gluconeogenesis, you're using protein in the muscle as a fuel. When you drink ketones, it bypasses all that. So what would take you maybe a month on a diet or maybe five days fasting, you drink them and it's like 15 minutes and you bypass all these. It's all the benefits and none of the downside. Um, so five years ago, everyone called us out as bullshit, especially the ketogenic diet community who said it couldn't be done. So we did it anyway. And now the same people that called us out as bullshit, we sent them stuff and said, like, prove us wrong. You know, if it doesn't do what we think it does, we want to know and we'll fix it. And the same guys that called us out as bullshit are now speaking on our stages, not getting paid, but they've done the testing a company called, uh, Verta health. Uh, oh, Jeff, Dr. Jeff Volok from Ohio State. I mean, it's just like a who's who of senior research scientists that are all like jumping on board with, hey, you guys are doing something here. So it's going to be, and we're just getting started. I mean, we're like a billion dollars in business over five years and literally just getting started. Um, and, you know, again, to, to quote Dr. Ryan Lowry, Dr. Jacob Wilson, Dr. Dominic D'Agostino, the only reason the world's talking about fasting and keto is because of guys like me and a handful of others. Because when no one wanted to hear it, I was that fat dude in 24-hour fitness arguing with the trainer with the six-pack that he's doing it wrong. <laughs> I, I got laughed out of a few gyms, believe me. And it's just like, hey, I don't like, you know what? I got, I got a lot of Krav Maga under my belt. I don't care how big and ripped you are, buddy. I'm, I'll still get in your face if I need to, you know? Right. And it's kind of, it's an interesting space, but yeah, intermittent fasting, I'm a huge proponent of that. Um, assisted fasts, like ketone assisted fasts are uh, probably the most beneficial. About two years ago, just over two years ago, we put 1500 people through one for 60 hours. Um, now every month we put over, usually over a hundred thousand people through the same thing in sync for 60 hours. The, the longest you ever want to do anything like that for, uh, i got to say, legally is 84 hours, uh, unless you're doing it with medical supervision. However, extended fasts, whether with water or dry fasts, they can be detrimental. So I, I think everyone should, you know, maybe do like a, one fast day a week. And it, it's pretty easy to do. If you have your last meal at three in the afternoon, and then you're going to sleep through half of it, wake up and just skip breakfast and have a late lunch and you're there. I mean, it doesn't have to be anything extreme. Right. The, challenge, the challenge with this, and I've done road protocols on it, it's not the physical, it's the mental. Like how long can we go without food? As a waiver, if you're diabetic or a nursing mom, don't listen to this bit. How long can we go without food? We can go days without food. How long can we go without thinking about food? I don't know, five minutes? 
you know, that's the reality. Our brain plays tricks on us. Yeah, well, that's probably where, I mean, for, for someone like you who has, you know, a martial art background and, and you know, military background, that, that discipline probably helps maintain kind of that, that mental battle, right? You know, and yeah. keep you focused and stuff like that, which is a great benefit from, you know, your past and your training and stuff. You know, I did uh, two ultra marathons in a week on three months training. And, um, and what happened, I used to train with Daniel Craig in New York City, James Bond. And he's a Liverpool fan and I'm a Manchester United fan and the two teams hate each other. Right. So there was like lots of shit slinging going on. One day I go to training, he's, he's on a treadmill doing some warm up. So I get on the treadmill next to him. After five minutes, I'm done. Like cardio is not my jam. I hate it. Still hate it. And in my mind, I went, there's no way on earth a Liverpool fan's ever going to beat me at anything ever. I don't care if it is James Bond. So I got on this thing to do a marathon in three, in three months. Then for some reason, I went, you know, I'm doing a little bit more on the treadmill every day. Then I could do an ultra. Then I'm going like, no, I'm going to break world records here. And I did one of them around the outside of New York City at night because everyone said it was dangerous and stupid. I'm like, okay, hold my beer. I will do that on my own, by the way. Oh, wow. And I did the, the second one the same week on a treadmill. Like, don't do that because as you get tired, it's pulling your knee joint in reverse. But I remember specifically doing it and the self-talk. And this is a big thing. The self-talk, after 50, the first 50 meters, yeah, I, was, I wanted to quit. But I just knew I had to do it because I said I was going to do it. I ended up doing, doing it overnight. But all I remember is just one step, just one step, just one step, just one step, just one step. My CEO, who's not in the best shape, climbed up Kilimanjaro with a, spec, with a US spec ops unit, like one step at a time, no training at all. So I essentially did something like that. And I'm telling this story, you know, it's just that, just one step. You know, a dangerous word that people use is don't quit. Well, subconsciously, we don't, we, we, we don't hear don't, can't, won't. We just hear quit. And if you keep telling yourself that, all you're hearing is that word that begins with Q. And I knew that. Just one step, just one step, just one step, one more step, just one step, one more step. Did it. And I was telling Goggins this. I said, yeah, I did two ultras on like, like three months notice from zero. He went, bitch, I did a hundred miles on three days notice. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll sit down on the, I'll sit back down on the kiddie step now. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's nuts with that stuff, with that endurance stuff. But yeah, there's a, there's a certain discipline. So one of the things, um, the protocols I wrote was something called a pre-boot and it was about prepping beforehand and extending the prep time. So the 60 hours was just a tiny percentage of the whole program. Okay. And all of a sudden you're like 80% through before you actually even start. So, oh, this is easy. And it is, it's just a, it's just a, a mind fuck. It just, we play tricks with ourselves. And you know, it's one of these things where, you know, it, it definitely does help if you've got some experience in that. I'm not always the most disciplined person on earth. Like, I can't have one glass of wine. Well, I can. I just choose not to. I like to enjoy life, you know, live life. Uh, hence why diets don't work. And there's, there's a, I've done a TV series and one of, one of the programs was like, why diets don't work. Is there unsustainable, especially the keto diet? Like, you can do it, you can do it. You have one bite of cake or a beer and it's over. You got to start the whole thing all over again. So, you know, the situation we're in now is we're in lockdown, stay at home, call it what you will. I don't care if you are doing a diet now, the first thing people are going to do when they get out of this is go have a cold beer by the ocean or right. yeah, pizza, you know, whatever it may be. Um, so an interesting space, that's for sure. Yeah. What, what kind of ketones do you drink? Uh, the ones I drink are the only pure therapeutic um, ketones on earth. And it's this. And the, there's a reason for it without going into too much science. Ketones are, so ketones are acetoacetate, acetone, or beta-hydroxybutyrate. The active one is beta-hydroxybutyrate, or what's known as BHB. There's a couple of forms of BHB. One works, the other one doesn't. 
And most of the stuff out there is a blend of the one that works and the one that doesn't. And the challenge is for something to be bioavailable to the body and bioactive in the body, it's got to be bioidentical. So it, it's almost like there's a lock and you've got the key. But the other stuff is that looks the same, but it's the opposite. Won't go in the lock. So these are what's known as RBHB, which, and there's other types of BHB, there's S, that doesn't work, it's inactive. And I've had conversations with various research scientists on this. Uh, I mean, we are, we are on the market, and I've heard Dr. Brendan Egan from City University of Dublin, Ireland, on stage in front of thousands of people say, these are the only ones that work. These are the only ones that work. So it's not as, as a, a company saying that, it's like, people we've just sent stuff to to try and have tested all different types there's some research science coming through now out of aspi florida it should be out by the it should be published by the summer so i get to know about stuff that's going on before it's published comparing all these different things and as to why and there's lot there's lots of you know lots of videos if you go on to something called prove it p-r-u-v-i-t tv it's an app and on there uh if you type in keto nat like you can watch this stuff free, you have to log in and it will explain the science why one works and the other one doesn't. And it literally is like one's a mirror of the other one. And because it's a mirror, it doesn't work. It's not bioavailable. It's, it's not bioidentical. So it's not bioavailable. It won't uptake and it's not bioactive. So there's only actually one that works. And that's the one I was the human guinea pig for. There's loads of cheap knockoff synthetic stuff coming out because, you know, everything's the keto of everything now, you know, right. like you go to the supermarket and there's everyone's doing a keto diet magazine. I will say one thing, there is no such thing as a keto meal plan. Uh, if you're in ketosis, it's eat when you're hungry, stop when you're not, as opposed to getting the habit of, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner and breakfast, lunch, and dinner was originally created to keep farmers in the fields longer when the, uh, the agricultural revolution came to break down the day so people didn't realize they were working longer hours. And right. um, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. So, you know, and then we've got the other thing where the food industry has created like, you know, five small meals a day and a snack in between every meal. That's creating insulin resistance. You're spiking, crashing, spiking, crashing. People think they're tired, they need food. No, it's, that's a sugar crash. Um, it's, you know, so it's some really interesting, really interesting science. That is, that's really interesting. Um, well, I'm glad you shared all that stuff with us. I like, you know, I like learning about how, how food can cure so many different things and how big a part of health that it is not only physical health, but mental health as well. Right. Obviously yeah. it has been proven. And I think, you know, for, for our community and a lot of our viewers are either current military or post-military. So, you know, the, the signs of either depression or PTSD, you know, that's a real life thing. You know, it's not just something you hear about in the news and, oh, it'll never happen to me. I mean, it affects so many people, even non-military, but um, it's, it's cool to know that, you know, there's, there's an opportunity for, you know, repairing that and kind of resetting, uh, resetting the brain a little bit and um, getting through that stuff. I'll say this, um, if anyone's going through that or they're not sure if they're going through that, if you dial in San Diego Keto Club on Facebook or Instagram, just send me a private message and um, I'll connect you with some resources or whatever it is. I mean, that's just, that's just a call out to anyone to do it. Um, you know, I'm not going to be a private coach. That's not what I do, um, but I will certainly be able to put you in the right direction of where to find the research and where to find the resources that, you know, me saying it is one thing, um, science saying it, you know, Harvard Medical School saying it, like all these places saying it is another. Uh, so from a credibility point of view, this is just me. And by the way, this is not the name of the company. This was... Uh, don't get me started on him. Smart guy, but anyway, um, it's uh, yeah. So I'm like I'm here to support. Um, it's necessary, and I'm I'd like thank thank you so much for having me on here because like the message needs to get out there in a big way, especially to the military community. Um, I've got a cop friend up in Minnesota. We said there's no cops that don't have PTSD. Like they all have PTSD just because you've seen enough shit. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know that makes sense. So. 
And uh, who knows right now, you know, whether it's going to be a thing with the, the frontliners and nursing community because of what they're seeing, you know? Well, I'd have to imagine it is. I mean, PTSD isn't, isn't limited to people that carry a gun, you know? I mean, mm. it's, you know, it's, it's traumatic events and, and the, the frontline medical people today are seeing some traumatic stuff. I mean, just from the news clips we're able to see, and you know, that's only a small, small fraction of what they're going through. Um, yeah, I, I would imagine that they're, they're going to have some symptoms of PTSD. And, and I like how you, you mentioned, you know, a lot of people don't address it or acknowledge it, especially men, because I feel like it's a, a chink in the armor. And I think that was yep. really well put because, you know, there's a prideful thing there too, to show any sort of vulnerability or weakness, um, especially if you are a soldier, right? Um, so um, suffice it to say that, you know, being able to get over yourself and, and have that vulnerability and just acknowledge it, as you mentioned, um, you know, that's, that's half the battle in a lot of instances. That was mine for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, Tony, um, I just want to thank you so much for carving out a little time for us. I know you're in high demand right now. Everyone's trying to get you on their podcast and, and we loved having you. I think um, we talked about some really cool stuff and I think our, our listeners and our audience will really benefit from it. And um, good took down some notes here. I mean, um, if you're um, looking to connect, you know, San Diego Keto Club on social media is a good yeah. way if you guys want to learn a little bit more or um, Prove It Now TV. And um, oh, just Prove It, prove it TV. Prove It TV. And, yeah. um, and then, of course, if anybody has any questions how to connect with us, um, you can always reach out to me at balongguy.us. But, um, Tony, we thank you again. Um, we thank everybody for stopping by and checking out this episode of Armed and Ready. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, guys. Appreciate Thank you all. You.